0: Hey, sippin' studiers. If you're looking for a way to get more positive things going into your life, I'd encourage you to check out our friends at Christian Living Magazine. You can find out everything you need at christianlivingmag.com. Good morning, everybody. This is not the most exciting study (laughs) that we have ever done, nor is it going to be the most exciting study that we will do, but it is important that we continue through this, right? Today, we're going through sixth lesson here in Genesis. We're going through chapter five. It's, well... It's, it's, it's kind of a genealogy line, right? It's the genealogy from Adam down to Noah. So we, we just finished last week, or not last week, but last lesson. We finished going through Cain's line, right? Going down through Cain. So we went Adam through Cain's line, where it was a line of disobedience. Now we're going to go through Seth's line, the line of Adam through Seth, all the way down to Noah and his sons, and it's kind of that that line of obedience, now I, I hesitate with that, and I keep catching myself when I keep saying things like, oh, well, they're, they're they're the line that follows God, or tries to at least." And well, they kind of well, more or less they try to, and it sounds very wishy-washy. Well, there's a reason for the wishy-washy. <laughs> Just before we even get started, I need to announce why there's a reason for the wishy-washiness because I've been doing it for weeks now, and I know I've been doing it for weeks now. The the reason for the wishy-washiness is is pretty straightforward and simple, at least in my eyes. Next chapter, we start getting into, you know, Noah's life and then dealing in with the flood. Okay, well, the flood wipes everything. So why does that link to this? Well, I guess to me, it just kind of pulls in from common sense. God says, I can't find anyone worthwhile. The earth is too evil. Humanity is too evil. I'm going to wipe it all out. Start over, basically. And says, Noah, you are the only righteous man. Take your family with you. <laughs> so if the Adams line of Seth, and, and as we're going to see as we go through this, constantly is saying, and had more sons, and had more sons, more sons and daughters, more sons and daughters. Um, There were more people coming from that line. So more or less, these were the people who were trying (laughs) somewhat to to follow God's way. So if you catch me going wishy-washy, if you listen to that, the last study, and you're hearing here, it's why, it's why, you know, there's, you could only be, you could only be trying so hard and doing so much to follow God. If God turns around and says, I can only find one on the planet that, that is really, Righteous and trying. Now, it wasn't saying Noah was perfect. You see later, Noah gets gets drunk and is laying out, you know, uncovered, fully naked. I mean, it just, it's interesting stories. Anyway, we're, we're getting into the study before we even get into the study. I I digress. So, hope you have a nice cup of coffee or tea. Clearly, I'm in that kind of mood today. Before we even get started, because I, I, I know a lot of people click off kind of around the prayer at the end or sometimes before the prayer, you know, it's just, you know, prayer starts. They they don't necessarily wait for the the last little touch of information at the end, which just so you know, if you are one of those people, oftentimes if there's information for the next study or anything like that, it's going to be included at the very tail end. Next study, next study, the beginning of chapter six. By the way, if you've never read the beginning of chapter six, and it's like four verses. It's, I mean, it's easy to just miss or skip over or skim. And it's one of those where it's a head scratcher. You sit there and go, why is this even included? And this feels and sounds and seems weird, right? It seems really, really weird. There's a lot of things that go on in play, and it adjusts a lot of different things with, with how we're going to study this. The next study is not for new believers or people who are somewhat I hesitate to say weaken their faith, but they they don't don't have a very solid foundation, and they're not walking on solid ground in their faith and and walking with Christ. We're going to go out there a little bit. We're going to look at some other resources. We're going to go through some things. I I'm going to hopefully walk you guys through Genesis early chapter six, the very beginning of chapter six, in a way that you've never looked at before. So anyway, that's that's all I'm going to say on that one. You'll have to wait until the next one, but let's, let's get into this chapter five, whole thing. We're doing verses one to 32. Let's do it in the English standard version. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived, after he fathered Kenan, 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived, after he fathered Mahalalel, 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus Lamech lived, after he fathered Noah, 595 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This doesn't really break down. <laughs> Go figure, right? I mean, we could break it down, but we're not going to. This is its a genealogy line. It's just a straight father to sons, to sons, to sons, to sons down from Adam through Seth's line down to Noah and Noah's sons. Let's, uh, let's get into this. I mean, it's, it's one of those, you, you read these and there's, there's a few points inside of here that go, well, that's kind of interesting. And then there's a, a few other points in here that just go, why is this even included? Well, genealogy and where you come from, that family heritage line, that honor, honor passes through the family line. And so dishonor can also go back up the line. You have dishonored your family name and it can damage your your family line all the way back as well. And so it goes forwards and backwards. Okay. A couple notes before we get into this, depending on the manuscripts that whatever translation you're reading from, right? Because different translations are pulling from different manuscripts. That's why there's slight variations. Depending on the manuscripts that are used in that translation, the ages of, of when people were born and more specifically really died, they may be somewhat different. And there's there's some discrepancies amongst some of the manuscripts that we pull from. Now, there's three main manuscripts that we we look at when we do these things. So we have the Hebrew manuscripts, okay? The Masoretic text, which is the Hebrew transcripts. And that is generally agreed upon, especially with Genesis, the best. it is just the most accurate, the most reliable. It's historically just the one that was, it started there. Everything else kind of pulled from that and it's been maintained the best. And so most of what we're looking at is pulled from the Masoretic texts. Now, Outside of that, we get the Septuagint, which is the Greek. It's the Greek translation, okay? So they translate from the Hebrew into the Greek. That has some discrepancies in it. But we also pull from sometimes, not not very often, but it's its own thing, the Samaritan Pentateuch, okay? Penta Penta being five, the first five, Pentateuch. Okay, now the Samaritan, think good Samaritan. Samaritans were considered by the Jews kind of to be like half-breeds, right? So after some of the exiles and, and groups coming in, They bred outside of the Jewish lines. And so there was this other group of people who said, no, we're Jewish. We come from Jewish heritage, but we aren't full in that heritage. And so they were considered half-breeds and were looked very down upon. They were outcasts from the Jewish community. So they had their own scriptures and they pulled from... At least the Pentateuch was fairly much the same, but there were some some differences, some discrepancies, because they had to pull it from different resources. So they get through that. That they that also has some some discrepancies. Now, when I say this, I'll give you an idea here. The, an example would be the Samaritan Pentateuch adds to the group of people that would die in the year of the flood, as far as age wise, right? So instead of just like methuselah dies in the age of the flood it adds more people to that now the septuagint even more fun if you do the math methuselah lives beyond the flood by 14 years so there's there's some there's some issues so what we'll be looking at is mainly things that pull from the Masoretic text now again there's there's some pieces in here that that kind of head scratching you start dealing with Enoch and he was and he walked we'll get there when we get there but i know this is kind of a boring section this is what what happens when we do exegetical studies like this right we take the word and we go through it line by line word for word and we do that on on purpose if God deemed it important enough to be in the scriptures, we're going to go through it because it's in the scriptures. We're going to trust that and we're going to move forward with it. So it means we go through some boring stuff that we don't really necessarily want to do. In our culture, we want that high pace. We want we want the rom-com stories. You know, let's go through the Song of Solomons. We want the death stories. Let's, you know, the action stories for for the wartime. We want the forgiveness and salvation. You know, I feel bad and so I want that forgiveness story to know that I'm Okay. But this stuff is in here and it's actually pretty important. We're not going to glean a ton from it right now, but it's it's pretty important. So we're going to go through it here. All right. So let's go through verses one and two. This is the book of generations of Adam. Pause right there. The book of generations. This is an indication, as we've discussed before, where where things break up inside of Genesis. Okay, so book of generations are dividing points. There's actually 10 different portions in here. So some some people say there's just actually 10 books because it says the line of these are the generations or these are the book of generations. They kind of break these down into actually 10 different books of generational lines inside of that. So this breaks up. First of all, we get the creation and sin. So creation of everything, the creation of man and then sin and how that happens. There's the first one. Now we get Adam's descendants. Okay, this is this. This is the book of generations of Adam going down a good line, not a bad line, okay? Just saying, that's just how this is broken up, kind of, right? So Adam's descendants, we get Noah's family. Then we get Shem, Ham, and Jepheth's descendants. Shem's descendants, again, but more specifically... Terah's descendants, Ishmael's descendants, Isaac's descendants, Esau's descendants, and Jacob's descendants. It's 10 different books that will go through this, but these are division points. And so when we're going through Genesis and we see this book of generations or the generations of, that's an indication that things are shifting gears. We're changing the narrative. It might be a step back in time. It might be something slightly different, but that's a sign and an indication that things are progressing and changing and moving over to a different direction. Okay. So this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Okay, we've already done that. That makes sense, right? Male and female, he created them. Already done this. This is a reiteration. Great. And he blessed them and named them man, and they were created. Now this is interesting. At least in English and and I don't why we do this in English, I'm not exactly sure. We just do. Man is capitalized. If you notice that here, I know I don't have the cursor going, I'm moving mine, but you can't see it. If you're looking at your scripture and he blessed them and named them man, man is capitalized. Why wouldn't man be the name, right? It's like a proper noun when you're capitalizing that, that's a proper name because he named them man. Well, in Hebrew, Adam, Adam, how we pronounce it, Adam, Adam was what God called them. Adam and Eve, Adam literally in Hebrew Hebrew just means man. And so God called them man. And then we just, in English, have kind of taken that as Adam is just his name. We just kept Adam. And so Adam, man, it's the same thing. That's why that's capitalized, okay? But he created them. Notice that he created them. Again, it's a reiteration. It's a beautiful thing. But because these are broken up as different books, sometimes these might have circulated as individual pieces in individual books where people would only get a a sub-little script. And so there's going to be some reiteration points. And that's why he's saying God created man. God created everything. God created man. And he made man in the likeness of God. He created them in his image. But not only did he create man, just one, we want to be very abundantly sure here that we get the point across. He created them both male and female. Mind you, this was thousands of years ago. They weren't saying there were thousands of genders, so so don't, don't get all worked up over that, right? He's just saying very point and blank. There are two reproductive styles and two reproductive types. There's two types, male and female. That's it. And he created both of them. Right, And he made them in his image. And he blessed them and named them. Blessed them and named them. He sets the precedence. When we start doing things, we're going to name. And then he he goes back and, Adam, go ahead and name all of the creatures that come through. This progression goes. He named the man and they were created. All right. We're going to keep going. Three to five. When Adam had lived 130 years. He fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Well, let's pause there for a second. This is very reminiscent to what God just did, okay? What we just saw God doing to man and how that description happened. Adam had lived 130 years. God has just always been, right? So he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image. So God created man in his image, and now... Man and woman are reproducing in their image, which still means in God's image, right? We are made in God's image, but humanity is created in God's image, but their child is created in their image. And, And the image means more here than just looks like, right? They act like. Created a man, a child, Seth here, in their image. It's going to be holding them in their name, and their reputation and everything else going down the line. When you have a representative coming in the image of, in the name of, and also in the image of, you're showing that representation. And so Seth's line shows the lineage and the reputation of going through that. We are God's reputation on earth. We're supposed to show God's love and his grace, but also his justice. And you start going down the other attributes of God, right? We are God's representations here on earth. Okay, Seth... Was the one who was the representation of Adam and Eve and trying to go towards God. And he named him Seth, just like God set that precedence and named him man or Adam. Okay, he's maintaining the image of Adam. It's not perfect, but still aiming towards God. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. Do the math quick. I mean, the answer is down there already, but the math really quicks 930 years. That is a long life. Long, long life. Had other sons and daughters. Thus, the days of Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Now notice he said this and he died, right? They brought sin into the world, and now there's death. Okay, Romans 5, 12 through 14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam. And death through sin, death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam. And who was a type of the one who was to come. Didn't need all of that. We could have just done 12, but it gets the point across, right? You you want to go through and you want to get things in context. So it gets the point across. Death came in because of sin and it came through the one, really two, Adam and Eve, but still one. Hey Sippin Studiers, as you may know, the family and I have been called into missions and are now officially missionaries to the church in Pakistan. Can't tell you how excited we are for this. It's a great opportunity and we are so blessed for it. But if you've known anybody who's gone into missions, you know, can't do it on our own. We need people to be partnered with us, partnered in prayer and yes, also in financial support. But there's so much more. If you feel God tugging at your heart, letting you know that he has a plan for you to make an impact in the church in Pakistan, we'd love for you to reach out to us and partner with us. You can do that and more at chogglobal.org slash dsbrown. That's chogglobal.org slash dsbrown, as in Drew and Sonny Brown. Now, back to the study. So 930 years, that's a really long really really long life and and just a, a side topic here and I was just discussing this with the kids because they're they're going you know, they're in school they're school age and going through school and and going through these things and and the topic of the missing link got brought up and I was bringing things of of this nature up to the kids well early man prior to the flood and and even after the flood for a little while it progressively got shorter and shorter we'll get there but before the flood, people lived almost a thousand years. You know, they, they had very, very long lifespans. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? Well, because they're talking caveman and this type of person and this type of person. And, okay, well, well, do you guys know medically that there are types of parts of the body that continue to grow after? you know, as long as you live, they don't, they don't stop. It's not like growth plates to where you stop going up and uh, the gravity starts to take toll and you start shrinking, but there's parts of your body that just continue to build up the calcium and continue to grow. And they're like, um, like fingernails and hair. Well, yes, obviously that, but there's bone that does this and their eyes, eyebrows go up like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. The, the eyebrow ridge. We study this in science. The eyebrow ridge continues to grow as long as you're alive. And so all of these prehistoric cavemen with their gigantic eyebrow ridges going through most likely just means if we're following how we understand the human body to work, it just means that they lived a very long life. And then you start looking at that. Oh, well, they they were probably only like 30 or 40 years all well, of their bodies were in a more perfect state and they were designed to live a thousand years, three or four hundred or five or six hundred years would be like 30, 40 years comparatively, right? Comparatively. So it's just one of those things like these things happen where we're digging up these fossils and we're finding these bones. The evidence and the answers are already in the scriptures. We, are, we already know this, right? Some of this is like it's not a shock and it shouldn't be a shock to people to see some of these things, if you're living that long, and we know this continues to grow and these things start happening. And well, what about their arched backs? Seven, 800 years. I'm 38. My back hurts sometimes. <laughs> I can't imagine if I lived four, five, six, seven hundred years. Yeah, I might have some back aches. They didn't have Tylenol and ibuprofen. They weren't living off, off that stuff. They couldn't go through it. So it's like, yeah, these these things happen. It's just built into the life structure. And there's people with with bone diseases and all this stuff. It's like there's so many different things, but but the longevity of the life prior to the flood, and even for the first almost eh, thousand years after the flood, give or take, not quite, but almost, there you had some really long lifespans still. Three, 400 years still. So, yeah, it just kind of makes sense. That's just how that works. We call that logic. All right, moving forward. Six to 20. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Now, I love it because if you read some commentaries and you read some things that people have written on this stuff, because of the, the longevity of life, they would say, oh, like 30 years is like being 40 or 300 years is like being 35 or 40. If, you know, this 100 years... Okay, but if we're doing that and we hold it the same, 100 years would be like being 12, 13. That's, I mean, you can have kids at 12 or 13. It's not usually something we aim for. <laughs> but still, a 100 years, you've got a long life already in, uh, on you. We're going to go. So when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh, he had 170 years. 807, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh had lived 90 years. He fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905, and he died. Kenan lived 70 years. He fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel. 840 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared Mahalalel, lived after he fathered Jared 830 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalalel—man, say that three times fast— were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. There's linkings throughout scriptures back to, to different elements and different names and different people. Okay, so recognize the, the names are here, the pieces are here, but I want to just grab the main concepts to this because as we're going through this study, this it's it's pre-flood, but the whole entire point of this is to link Noah back through the line of Seth to Adam. Okay. To Adam and Eve showing Noah came from the line and the side that was God fearing that was trying to obey and honor God failing miserably. Like we all do, but they were trying and they were there. It was saying he didn't come from the line of Cain. He came from the line of Seth. That's the entire purpose of, of this narrative is to give this kind of lineage. That's why it's so fast. And it's just so-and-so lived at this age, had this son and others lived X amount longer and then died so that you can kind of build the timeline and you can see the lineage and that line going through all the way down to the important narrative. It's all for the important narrative. But the main motif that we're seeing throughout this section is death sin brought death and they died and they died and they died they didn't get to the tree of life they weren't always living they brought into their life sin which brought death we look at romans six twenty three for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord okay so they brought death they lived these really long lives they had kids. They were multiplying, right? They were multiplying and expanding and doing what God told them to do. Multiply. Go. Do. Take care of this stuff. Get that stuff out there and, and done. Grow. Okay? It was dual purpose. First of all, it's just normal. They didn't just have one child. They didn't live 900 years, 800 years, 700 years, and have one child. They had other sons and daughters. The earth was populating and growing rapidly. And by rapidly, I mean, they, they'd have these groups, and then they would have, and then they would have, and it was just expounding and going further and further and faster and faster, okay? And it gives, gives the readers a clear indication that Noah was, was from the line that followed God, okay? Now, if you, if you watch the lifespan here, and there's some graphs that you can find online, at Bible Something like that has has a, a decent one. But you can actually see that, that transgression line, or not transgression, but the, the timeline to where at the flood, it's it's almost a constant. It goes up and down. But if you just kind of follow it, they had an average lifespan. And then it, post-flood, it drops dramatically. It just kind of, it's logarithmic. It just kind of flows out. And you can actually do a graph on it. I mean, you can with any numbers, but it's it's pretty close to where it just does. It just... And then it goes down to about 100, 120 years and below. And then you get into, because of health reasons and everything, it, it drops drastically. Continue on. 21 to 24, we start getting into Enoch. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Man, Enoch was a child at that point, comparatively, right? 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. 300 years and had other sons and daughters thus all the days of enoch were 365 years enoch walked with god and he was not for god took him now enoch is is and was a major figure in the hebrew mindset okay, because he was one of two that walked with god well there was a few that walked that walked with god but were taken prior to death there was no death they just ascended they were taken to heaven some people want to claim three and even four. Some people grab Jesus and say, Jesus was ascended and taken to heaven without death. That kind of negates the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus resurrected and then ascended, and he's coming back. Okay, you're, you're talking the Messiah. You're talking the Son of God. That's a little different, and he actually died. Okay, I, and this is one of those hard-sticking points, I would say, if you're looking for a church or you're going through things and you're trying to understand what's what's what are some core things, just in case if if they don't recognize that Jesus truly and authentically and actually died on the cross and then actually raised from the grave and then actually ascended into heaven that's not a christian church i'm just going to tell you straight straight and plain plain that that they are not a bible believing bible teaching church if they say everything else in the bible but those are missing that's it's false it's a false narrative false group false religion run for the hills, right? That is not a group you want to be with. Jesus died physically. He had a physical death. He was dead for two and a half days, right? Two days on the third day. That's where that that fun thing comes in, right? It was on the third day. Good Friday, he died. He rose on Sunday. Well, wait a minute. Saturday, Sunday, that's not three days, right? Died on Friday. That's how they counted. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's three days. On the third day, he raised from the grave. Easter Sunday, that's what we do. Coming up, right? Easter Sunday. See you there he rose from the grave. If the church or if if you're talking to people and they don't recognize the actual death of Jesus, the actual burial of Jesus, the actual raising from the dead of Jesus and the ascension, not a Christian church. Okay, So Jesus automatically disqualified into the people who were ascended into heaven without dying because he died. Some people then, if you go back into like our Hebrew study, would say Melchizedek, because there's no record of him dying, but we also don't have the record of him being born. And that's an entire other figure that takes a lot, takes a lot of digging. And there's a lot of theories about, was that a manifestation? Was it an angel, angelic? Was it a manifestation of, of Christ, you know, Jesus before he came? Was it just a Levite who was the king of that region? And there's just we lost all the information there's so many different things on we we don't know but as far as what we know of because of it's in the scriptures and we have that context there there were two we have Enoch here then we have Elijah Elijah is the only other one that we have account of this happening and that's in 2 Kings 2:11 just you can actually read 2 Kings chapter 2 but 2:11 shows this and as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So Elijah was the only one who was taken from life without dying. Okay, so this is a, a major piece here. And so Enoch was a major figure in the Hebrew Jewish Mindset. See, walked with God is is a really rare thing. There's only so many that were considered who walked with God, that truly held God's heart and walked with Him and did what they could to be a good child of God, a good follower of God. Okay, but this indicates that He lived a holy life and was greatly favored by God. And we see a see now a break in the pattern of death, right? And He died, and He died, and He died, and He died. No, nope, not anymore. He was not for God took Him. Now those of you who might be a little bit more studied Enoch for a, a long time was kind of considered to be associated with the collection it's a, a book but it's really a collection of writings there's a lot of collections of writings inside of the Bible so that's okay but called first Enoch okay first Enoch First Enoch again is a collections brought together believed to be compiled somewhere between the 4th and the second century BC so two to four hundred years before Jesus okay so within that time frame, So it's second temple period, essentially, or realistically, it's between, but it is kind of a second temple period piece. It's not scripture. Let's just get this out here. We're gonna talk this study and next study a bit about First Enoch. It is not scripture, which I know begs the question, then why are we digging into it? Why are we discussing it so much? And why do you bring it up? I'm glad you asked. While it's not scripture, it is something that Jewish people were very well aware of read or at least were taught as well okay but they read especially the the educated read this and it based they based a lot of their theology and their understandings and and their doctrine around some of the understandings that come from this it's not god breathed per se it's not scripture in fact it's not supposed to be scripture it used to be in some canons and then it was pulled out from pretty much every canon. In fact, I think there's only one or two, maybe three. But I think realistically, the main one I can find is the the Ethiopian Orthodox Church that still considers First Enoch as part of canon and part of scripture. That's it. There's like one church worldwide. Why do we read this? Why do we get the idea from this? And, I, and again, I'm not saying that you go out and read it. Why do those of us who dig into these and study and teach and go through this and want to get some of these extra answers so that we can do this, why do we look at this? Well, it gives us the idea and the mindset of those who were writing and those who were living in the day. When we do biblical study, the key thing, the key element, and what we really need to do is pay attention to what would those who read it then, that this was written to originally, glean from this? How would they interpret this? How would they take that? So then we can take that and apply that concept to our lives and to today. Not how do we apply what we read into today's mindset and then go forward, but how would they have taken this so that we can then take that concept and apply it to today? Okay, those are two very drastically different things. We get cults, lots of really weird belief systems because people read the scriptures and try to apply that concept directly to just straight today, rather than taking it into the mindset of who was it really written for originally, grab what they would grab and then apply that to today. So if somebody said, don't, you can't read that, it's it's bad for you, which by the way, just realize if you read First Enoch, it's written like scripture, it's not scripture. Okay, it's not God-breathed, it is not something that we take as part of the Bible. It doesn't mean that it's bad for you to read because it goes off biblical narrative, and obviously many, if not most of the New Testament writers were very well versed in it. There's some very confusing pieces in 2nd Peter and Jude, Paul quotes, quotes from this, Jude quotes from it. Like there's pieces where it's actually directly quoted from inside of other pieces of scripture. They read it, and it wasn't bad for them, okay? It is one of those things that it is okay, but recognize it's not Scripture. Here's the trick. When people say, it's not Scripture, therefore don't read it, that would be like saying, don't read C.S. Lewis. Don't read Chesterton. Don't read Lee Strobel, okay? You can't read any of these other books. All of the Christian writings out there are bad for you then, if you think that, right? It's not bad, but we need to recognize that we need to balance it with what the actual Bible says, right? Balance it through Scripture. The Bible is what we funnel everything through. If it doesn't fit with the Bible, it doesn't go. But we're going to look at it because it, it helps us understand the narrative and the mindset of people, and it fills in some of the gaps, which is what they understood, and so that's what they write off of. I did say there were some very confusing passages that it pulls from. I'll give you an example before we we really get into next week. Look at this, Second Peter two, four to five. If God did not spare the angels when they sinned, all right, but cast them into hell and committed them to change of chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. This seems really weird. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, it's tied back to Noah, Noah's age, And angels being committed and thrown into hell, who sinned, went against God, and were thrown into the abyss, which gets translated as hell, but the abyss, and in chains, look at Jude 6. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Where are they getting this from? Those two are very clearly talking about the exact same incident, talking about the same angels doing the same thing. Where does that come from? It actually comes from First Enoch, the the Book of the Watchers. We'll just pull. There's a couple different spots. We'll pull from twenty-one one to six. I traveled to where it was chaos. He's talking about kind of a dream and a vision here, right? Travelled to where it was chaotic, and there I saw a terrible thing. I saw neither heaven above nor firmly founded earth. Where was I? It was just in a place of tremendous chaos but a chaotic and terrible place. And there I saw seven of the stars of heaven, angelic figures, bound and thrown in together. Well, this, this reads just like Jude. Jude was reading it. And great mountains and burning fire. And I said, for what reason have they been bound? For what reason have they been thrown in here? Then Ariel said to me, one of the holy angels who was with me and he was their leader, he said to me, Enoch, why why do you inquire? And why are you eager for the truth? These are the stars of heaven that transgressed the command of the Lord. They have been bound here until 10,000 years are fulfilled, the time of their sins. Other portions talk about until the the end judgment time. 10,000 years just means a very long time. It's not saying actual 10,000 years. We can also then look at Jude 14, another, another weird spot in Jude. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, there you go. Prophesied saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones. Enoch's only mentioned a couple times. And that's that's what we get of Enoch's life is this right here. I don't see a quote saying 10,000 of his holy ones, the Lord comes. Where's that come from? Well, it actually comes from 1 Enoch nine Again, the book of the Watchers. Look, he comes with the myriads, which means thousands the myriads of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to destroy all the wicked and to convict all humanity for all the wicked deeds that they have done and the proud and hard words that wicked sinners spoke against him. Jude quotes and pulls directly from first Enoch. Paul in certain places pulls almost directly from first Enoch. And that's Paul, the guy who wrote like two thirds of the new Testament. It's there. Okay. It's there. The mindset of the second temple period, Jewish and Christians understood first Enoch as good for learning and good for filling in some of the gaps that were there for things that were questioned. doesn't mean it's actual Bible. It doesn't mean it's actual scripture. Okay. So we take it with grain of salt. (laughs) Listen to me. You take me with 10 pounds of salt. You listen to some of this, maybe a grain, uh, you know, a little pinch of salt. But it is an important piece that fills in some of the gaps, that gives in some of the mindset and the understanding of the day. It it, it also looks at some of the Mesopotamian beliefs and compares and contrasts some of those things. The Babylonians, you start getting through some of this, which is really normal stuff. We see that throughout scripture anyway. All right, we took enough time to, to dig through that. Let's just keep going on this. There's not much left. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Lamech lived, after he fathered Noah, 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, that is considerably longer than most of the others. But after he was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Not a ton of stuff to grab from here, other than, other than, again, other than what we already talked about, the and died, and died, some of these other things that we've discussed. The main pieces that we can grab from this is remember there was a Lamech in Cain's line. So the Cainite Lamech, Cainite being Cain's line, Sethite being Seth's line, okay? The Cainite Lamech seeks revenge, right? This guy hit me and did this, and so I killed him. And if anybody comes to me, if Cain's vengeance was sevenfold, mine's 70-fold, a lot more. The Sethite Lamech, sought deliverance. Notice that change. This is a very drastic, drastic change. And at this about the same time, right? Very drastic change. One seeks more vengeance and selfishness and revenge. The other seeks deliverance. And then we see Noah who again quite later in life than than most of the rest had children. Or had these the sons? Potentially, he just had daughters up until then. But then he had had three sons at, at around 500. You start looking at the ages later on in scriptures, because their story actually resumes in, in chapter nine. You know, so you look later on in scriptures. It doesn't necessarily seem like Shem, Ham, and Japheth were the actual order of birth. It's just the order that he shares the narrative here. All right. So what can we take away? So the narrative from Cain's descendants and Seth's descendants sets the stage for the state of the earth prior to the flood. There were those who wanted to follow God, though not likely many, and those who rebelled and wanted to only please themselves. Okay. We also see through repetition the results of sin and how it brought physical death. with He died, he died, he died. Although death was now plaguing God's creation, God found favor in some, like Enoch, and those we're about to see in Noah. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this word. Going through the genealogy lines is not the most exciting thing to me, and, and I know not to many. My God, I, we still thank you that you've. Put this in your scripture so that we can follow this because there are those who this is drastically important and it does help to fill in the narrative and to link things together and show that you have a plan and a purpose and you're working through people's lives and that even going further down the line, maybe our job here on earth is to be great grandparents to somebody who does something amazing and that that person never would have lived if we didn't live the life that you have for us today, that you weave things together in such a way and to connect the dots in such a way that everyone matters and that it comes through that direction. So God, thank you for showing us these things. Thank you for having this in your word. Thank you for continuing to have grace and mercy and love towards your people. Thank you for your son, Jesus, as we're getting ready to head towards Holy Week, going towards Easter. God, thank you for for Jesus, your son. Thank you for deliverance. We just ask that you continue to be with us and bless us as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, again, quick reminder, next, next study is not one for young in the faith believers or for those who are really, really struggling in their walk, but it's more for people who have a, a fairly solid foundation because we're going to dig through some stuff that, the beginning of chapter six, it, it it is a very question mark piece. People of throughout the generations have really wondered what on earth is he talking about? Why is this even here? And we're gonna look at some other sources to to pull from that. And I think you're gonna learn some things and see things in a way that you've never seen them before. And it might change the way that you understand scripture here forth. So hope to see you guys next time. Have a great week. Be a blessing to those around you talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.